But the question is, why do you go to church? You know, that's a good question, isn't it? And if somebody says, well, where do you go to church? Well, sometimes you know what to say, sometimes you don't know what to say. But what is the purpose of church? Well, I could read it, read it out of Ephesians, though. It's prepare people for the work of the ministry, if you're called in the fivefold ministry and so on. But the bottom line is people say, well, I'm not a preacher. You don't need to be a preacher. But you need to have something solid in your life. And if you're coming, uh, you know, as I look at our ch Joy Church, for example, or, or otherwise ministry outreach, uh, why would people want to be a part of that? Well, because you want to grow into something. You know, people have needs. If you don't know that already, everybody's got a need. There's something usually missing in everybody's life. And I better be careful, I'll get into the second message. <laughs> but the thing is, it's true. We need we, the health, health issues have a need there. Maybe we're short of money, we're short of friends. Maybe we don't have any peace in this life. So you see, the reason you'd go somewhere where the gospel is actually preached is not just to get saved every Sunday, but it's to, to get your life stabilized. Because no matter where we're at this time of our life, we're here to touch people's lives. This just isn't another day in the life of the world. This is a day most of us believe it's a preparation of people that are going to go forth and bring life into people. And it doesn't require a pulpit to do that. It requires a caring in your life. You know, it's like I've often thought about this. You know, I got saved and, and all I knew was Jesus set me free. I love to share it. Well, before I really grew in this thing, it was like my drive was I just wanted people to have what I had. But it makes you look like you're some preacher that has to preach. I'm not a preacher that has to preach. But I want people to have what I have. And, and you know what? I found out lately I don't have it all either. <laughs> I really don't. I'm growing too. I have to. Why? Because there's more and more need for us to be stable and fixed and empowered and all those kind of things. Well, that's, that's it for today, so I appreciate you coming. Anyway, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with one here that that I felt prompted last night. And I need to hit this a little bit for for some of us. If it's not some of us here, it's some of us going out into the worldwide word, world of videos and everything else, wherever we go. But you know, there's some things that we deal with all the time. There's challenges. You know, it's, it talk, we talk about the enemy of your soul. And then uh, I saw that historically it's said the enemies basically come through the world, the flesh, or the devil. So if there's things that are hindering your life right now, they're going to come from the world, the flesh, or the devil. They're not going to come from God. He's here to bless us. Remember last week we said no good thing would he withhold from those that walk uprightly, those that love him. He won't withhold anything, won't hold anything back for his people. So we have to figure out what it is that's holding us back. Well, in other words, it says also here in, uh, when you're talking about the world, flesh and the devil, you know, when we talk about the, the noises in the world, we talk about voices. We're surrounded by the voices of the world almost 24 hours a day if we let it happen. So we know about the voices of the world. What did Jesus say about that? And I'll just throw some scriptures out here. Some of you know that. And I like it in the Amplified. I just wrote it out this morning. In John 16, 33, speaking of the world, he says, 
in this the Amplified Bible, which I don't always quote, but I will this time, because he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have, listen to this, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer, take uh, cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. But he says, and I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So you see, when we start thinking about these things, um, you know, sometimes when I'm wanting to evaluate where the, you know, where the things are coming from, that when it nails it here, tribulation, trials, distress, and, and frustration. A lot of people want to tell you God's trying everybody. But this Bible tells us it's of the world. You got that? I mean, I, I hear big-name preachers sometimes say, well, God's going to give you tests and trials. I beg you to find anywhere in that Bible that will verify that. Amen? See, we have to get this straight. Is that foundation? Is that just good preaching? No, it's, it's valuable because if you want to move on in your life, you've got to realize where these blocks are coming from. The world, the flesh, or the devil. Amen? That's right. So when you stop and think what Jesus had to say about that, he said, I've conquered those for you already. And then you can go a, 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 another one in Romans 8, verses 37. Just throwing a scripture out there. Uh, but he, he talks about up here in verse 34. Uh, who is he that condemneth? Is it Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again? Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? In verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And in verse 37, as it is written, no, nay. In all of these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. How do we become conquerors? How do we become conquerors? Well, first of all, through the blood of Jesus, they made that possible, but it's the Word of God. Why do we talk about the Word of God so much here? Because it's the Word, it's where the power is. Right. We can talk, you know, I, I like people, you know, going to all these things, and they, they tell you all about the Bible. But see, you can know all about the Bible, but not know God. Right. Or know the Word. And why do we talk about that? That word that gets in us, that's what fuels us and builds us and stabilizes us. So we mean no longer uh, uh, tossed and fro with every whim of doctrine. And that's in James. But see, that's why we want to be anchored. So the question is, why would you come here? Well, you can come wherever you want to. But if you're going somewhere where you're not getting that, you need to change where you go to church. Or if it's not church, a Bible study. You know, I, you hear about these things, uh, you know, uh, little things that happen that you don't know about. I shared a couple of these things, but they talked about uh, in Cuba. How at one time you couldn't preach the gospel there, be thrown in jail or shot or whatever they did to you. They started in home churches in Cuba. But see, the Spirit of God began to move in those. People began to get a hold of the Word. Well, now what happened, I found out, I didn't know this. They're building actual churches in Cuba and sending missionaries to Africa. What are we doing in America? Amen. What are we doing here? See, are we still trying to get perfected? 
You know, a lot of people say, well, you need to go to this church, get perfected. I had that told me one time back when I first met Gary. I met another preacher there. Well, Gary, what do you, what do you do to me? This Gary, he said, to, I was, you know, we were friends. He said, why would you want to start another church? Go up to my church. We're all perfected up there. I said, glory to God. Isn't that awesome? See, I'm not perfected. Amen. But see, that word of God is what stabilizes us. We need to get a hold of this. Why do we want to go to a church to get stabilized, to get prepared? Because guess what? We not only want to be prepared for the work of the devil, we want to be prepared to pre receive a tremendous outpouring of blessings and, and money and, and, and peace and friends. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm getting there all, all that I'm trying to say, but you see, there's a reason we want to be steadfast in the Word of God. There's no... There's no imitation for God's word. Right. You can go to church for 30 years, 40 years, and hear all kind of preaching. But you know, it takes a teaching ministry to drive it in so we really have it. So the thing is, I, wanna, I want to uh, just hit a couple more here and uh, give you a couple clues. You can also go to, you know, if you're taking notes, 1 John 5, 5 covers that too, but I'll, I'll grab it and read it here. Um, A lot of you know this scripture by heart anyway, but in John 5, 5, it says, uh, Who is he that overcome the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? We're world overcomers. We're overcomers. Why? Because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is Jesus? The Bible says he's the Word. Amen? He's the Word. Brought it forth. Now, I'm going to talk about some practical things because with all that in mind, the, uh, we talked about the enemy of the soul. What does that really mean? What is the soul? The soul is the mind, will, and emotions. Is that correct? That's right. So if we're talking about warfare, we're talking about an attack on the soul. Not our body at this point, but on our soul. Our mind, our will, our emotions those are constantly under attack if you don't know it already but they're also very uh, very susceptible to the Word of God to be to, that we can overpower them all but there has to be some tools and I'm just going to throw this out as a little brief thing here but you know uh, I'm not probably not unlike a lot of people but early on uh, getting born again and and loving the Lord wanting to preach the gospel, all that stuff, because it all happens to me. Uh, I had a lot of mind battle with the past. I mean, just haunting. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course you do. You can have it today. But you see, I didn't know what to do about it. And I heard, you know, you're around Christians and they'll tell you all these kind of things. You know, I'll just rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. Well, I tried that. And guess what? He'd be gone about maybe 10 minutes. Sometime back in three seconds. Amen? Somehow that wasn't working. You know, it's kind of like the guy says, how's that working for you? <laughs> not so good. So I'm, believe it or not, this, you all know I'm a pilot, and you all know that, among other things, I flew some spray planes at one point. And I remember I was out flying one day, and... Happened to be in Nebraska at that time, but the Lord gave me this scripture. 
And I don't know where to find it. That, that happens sometimes, you know. But it's in 2 Corinthians 10. And I want you to get this because not everybody's gotten a hold of this, this scripture. And it's in verse 10, uh, chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 3. And it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God of the pulling down of strongholds. So you see, we can try to warfare, and I know I repeat this more than once as you're coming here a lot. You've heard me more than once hit this scripture. But the bottom line is, we can't whip the devil with our fists or with human reasoning or with some gigantic Ph.D. counselor. Won't happen. They reason this stuff out, and if that doesn't work, they give you a little sedative, you know, to calm you down a little bit. Amen? Then it's worse. But see, he said, for the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, meaty, what you can do with your hands. But they're mighty. Everybody say mighty. mighty. Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. When I see that word mighty, I don't see it just as a word mighty. I think of the power of might that's available through the spirit of the living God. I mean, a might that's beyond. Everybody that's been around the Bible probably thinks of Samson knocking, Samson knocking down those big pillars. Spirit of might. It talks about it in Colossians, but I won't go uh, too spread out here today. But it talks about that spirit of might. So when we begin to work through the Word of God, it says here, that our, words are, our words are mightier, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What does it mean mighty through God? That's using his word, his ways of getting there. Speaking to those things. You know, we talk about authority here a lot. And I'll hit that again a little later, uh, probably. But, but when, we, when we go after something with our authority, the whole, I, like I say it, when you got the word of God and you understand your authority, all heaven is back behind you, causing it to happen. We don't flail around with some kind of a prayer that won't get anywhere. We've got to get... You know, it's kind of like, I don't know, if, I, I don't want to get off somewhere, but here, what it says in verse 5, here's where I'm going. Finally got where I'm going. Verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations, and I like this in the King James, and that's why I'm using that today. Casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God gave me that scripture. And as soon as I begin to quote that, because what happens in your life? You know, all hell's starting to break loose, and you start imagining the worst. Yep. Boy, it could be worse. You know, it's, it's gotten real bad, but it can get worse, right? That's the imaginations begin to go. And it also, you know, it's also out there with things in terms of, of lustful things, physical lust. It's out there thinking you're going to lose all your money. These are imaginations. But we know if, if you allow that to happen in your life and it takes root, guess what? The next thing you're going to operate in it to. That's right. Ask a man that's been in the ministry for, for 120 years over here <laughs> how many people he's seen get derailed because they get imagined in something. And a lot of it in the sexual realm. Yeah. 
not comfortable bringing it up, but you'd be surprised, maybe if you knew, I don't even want to know how many preachers of the gospel now are in sexual sin. I don't, I, you know what, that's kind of a downer, but it's a reality. And so, you see, it's, it's a real thing. But it says here, we can cast those imaginations down. How do you do that? Set them like a trap, man. That, that, then that's going to come from the devil. He's going to put a plant in there, a seed in you that's going to, uh, you know, get you think, thinking about something, and you just cast that down. That imagination. Stop it right now. See, we have to, if we're going to grow up in this word, we have to be proactive with these things. We can't let them slide into the next day. That's right. Or they might take root, see. We don't have to fear that, but stay with it. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There you go. There's your thought process. Huh? Those thoughts will come rolling in there, you know. And they can... I, I don't, you know, you can mess with people a lot when you start going into something like that. But those thoughts are really available. You know, Jesus said, take no thought. And he said, take no thought saying what am I going to eat and what am I going to dress. He said, don't take those thoughts. Did he not? You've all heard that. And then in one, one of the Gospels, it says, take no thought saying. Because there's something about it when you, you have this weird thought that shouldn't be there. And then you, you speak it out. Well, you just planted something in yourself. You better get rid of it. This isn't about positive confessions. Obviously, oh, you're one of those positive confession guys. No, I'm not. I'm a Word of God guy that, that wants to get this implanted in you. Why? Because you'll be better. It gives you something. Okay, what, what, and uh, bring every, into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I'll even show you how to do that. But what happens when people go in and they got, a, oh, I got a pain right here. Or I got a real pain right here. Man, I wonder what it happened. And, you know, I don't want to go to the doctor because I'm afraid of what it might be. What if I have cancer? How many's ever heard that before? And you start thinking, maybe I have cancer. And guess what's happened? We take a hold of that. And start thinking that way, and many, many times it's been proven, it gets on them. It's, it's a work of the enemy, it's a work of darkness. Oh, why am I bringing this up? Because you see, that might be you. You might be faced with something right now, and those thoughts are creaming you. You get you into fear. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, here this thought comes, and blah, blah, blah. I think I got my point across. Amen. But see, we have to be proactive and we have to get rid of that darkness when it comes. The day it comes, the moment it comes, don't receive it in Jesus name. Well, I'm going to finish up this and then, then move on. But let's go to Philippians because here's the payoff. There's something about when you clean your when you clean the closet out, and then you've cleaned that thought out there, you've stopped those imaginations, but guess what? You just cleaned the closet. Well, what happens with the closet? It's empty. And anybody else can move in there, right? Am I right? I believe that's scriptural, by the way. So I want, to, I want to finish this thing over in Philippians chapter 4. Verse 
And I want you to take this seriously. Because you've cleaned the closet, you've stopped imaginations, you've bound them from your life. You refuse them, you refuse to fear all that stuff. But in verse 6 of Philippians 4, you may already know this, but get a hold of this. It says, be careful for nothing, but that means be anxious for nothing. What's anxiety? That's fear. That's a spirit of fear. And that's something that we don't need to operate in our life. You know, some people say, well, a little bit of fear is good. No, no amount of fear is good because it's all from the devil. It's darkness. Allowing any of it to operate in your life. So it says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, have no fear, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And this is what the Lord really, even at that time, with that very little teaching on the word, uh, he showed me to stop that nonsense with, with the authorities given us, refuse those imaginations, refuse those thoughts that are going to derail me in my life or whatever they're going to do. And then he says, fill yourself back up this way. You just thank God for it, prayer and supplication. Thank you, Lord. You've cleaned my house today. You've helped me. You've, re you've delivered me today in Jesus' name. And here's what it says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds. Your what? Your minds. Mind, will, and emotion, right? It'll keep your soul. Amen? Finally, brethren, whatsoever. Listen to this. This is key. It says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there are any virtue and if there's any praise, think on those things. Prescription. What did I do with that? Well, when I saw that, began to learn about it, and I, I went to work on getting myself freed up, but then I just say, God, I just thank you so much for what you've given me. I thank you, Father, you, you set me free. The Lord Jesus has set me free. But look at my beautiful family. And I just thinking about, at that time, I, I tell this more than once, but that time my two little girls, oldest ones, were, I don't know, they were, okay, I don't know how old they were then, probably three, four, five years old. And they had these cute little fat legs, you know, these the cutest little girls, and the, Sandy always had those, Hair all, you know, done up and beautiful long hair. And I just thinking about my beautiful wife. I just start thinking on these things. Now, that may sound corny to some. I don't know. But you see, the, the whole thing built a whole new thing in me. And the next thing I know, the devil had a real hard time getting through there. But it's going to happen today. But we stay on guard, right? We guard, like I say, I, I teach that a lot in, uh, in Genesis, how he really wanted Adam to, to guard the garden. And that's what I keep saying. We need to guard our garden. Amen? We need to guard our garden. And this is a good place to do it.